Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, beloved family. How are you today? I pray that you're well in this crazy, crazy world we're in. And uh, perfect, sinless, spotless church because the church is Christ. But um, its members are going crazy this day, including its hierarchy. So um, we just need to stay faithful. We need to stay on the narrow path to heaven. And if you're confused, don't be confused. All you need to do is look up the Council of Trent, the Catechism Explained, uh, even our current Catechism, and know what the Church teaches. And if anything coming out of the Synod or any individual, including the Pope, is contrary to what the Church and Scripture teach, just don't be confused, just know that it's wrong. Or seek other um, good help from Orthodox priests and bishops. so we need to be, um, I, I mean, with the war of Israel and all of that, it, it's, it's, it's awful. Um, but I'm in very good spirits because God is building his church and we have the unspeakable riches of being part of that, of being his children, of having the faith, of loving all the fruit of his grace in the midst of a world that's turned from him. Why are we not turned from him? Why do we love? Why do we believe? It, it's, there's no answer except God's love. No answer except God's love. And so um, I was thinking, how do we live in this world um, that is so turned from God, both within and without the church? How do we live in that? And um, hold on just a moment. And I just decided, rather than looking for uh, anything a bishop or others have written, that we would just read what our first pope, our Jewish pope, Peter, wrote when they were uh, persecuted by the Lord people, by the Jews whom our Lord came to save, through whom he came for the whole world. And the Jews persecuted the Jews who believed in him and mocked them. And so they were scattered by persecution all over the Mediterranean. And Peter wrote to them in the midst of their persecution to tell them how to live a holy life. Um, and we read this yesterday, the whole first chapter of, of uh, uh, the first book of Peter. And I want to read it just very, very quickly. We commented on yesterday. Okay, we'll go to chapter two. But let me give you the introduction again. Peter writes, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the exiles of the dispersion. And he says to the exile, the Spurgeon, 
in the first century, Pontius Galatia, Cappadocia, and Bithynia, chosen and destined by God the Father, and sanctified and set apart by the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. These words are ours. These words are ours 20 centuries later. They are ours. We are set apart, sanctified by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ. Not to do what we want. We have free will to do what is right, not what we want, but what we ought. And Peter says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh Uh-oh, what just happened? What just happened? Here it is. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and to an inheritance which is imperishable undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. I'm telling you, beloved, Peter, this is the word of God. It's forever. And it's for us. Um, It's unfading and kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, which, though perishable, is tested by fire, may redound to praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Dear ones, if you lose your faith because of trials, because of loss, because Jesus doesn't answer your prayer the way you want, when you want, how you want, then you don't have faith created a God of your own making. Our faith grows through trials, not in good times or consolation, but through trials, which God is faithful to send us to grow us up and increase our faith. And Peter says, without having seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with unutterable and exalted joy as the outcome of your faith you obtain the salvation of the souls. The prophets, Peter says, who prophesied of the grace that was to be yours, searched and inquired about this salvation. They inquired what person or time was indicated by the Spirit of Christ within them when predicting the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glory. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you. These are all the Old Testament saints and prophets. They were serving not themselves, but they were serving you and the things which have now been announced to you by those who preach the good news to you through the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, those unto which angels Therefore, he says, gird up your minds and sober, set your hope fully upon the grace that is, to, that is coming to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What does that mean, beloved? Don't set your hope based on circumstances that you're living through. But upon the grace that is coming to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, be holy yourself in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you invoke his Father, 
him who judges each one impartially according to his deeds, conduct yourselves with fear through the time of your exile. You know that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest at the end of the times for your sake. Through him, you have confidence in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, is the only way, dear ones, that you purify your souls, that you grow in faith. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for sincere love of the brethren, love one another earnestly from the heart. You have been born anew, not of perishable, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, for, and quotes the Old Testament, all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord abides forever. That word is the good news which was preached to you. And now, dear ones, we'll go to chapter 2. This, both letters of Peter, First and Second Peter, are really what we need in this day. <clears throat> he says, having just gone through chapter 1, he says, so put away all malice and all guile and insincerity and envy and all slander. Like newborn babes, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up to salvation. For you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Now once, um, I just came from a family with a, 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 a newborn and if that newborn uh, didn't get her milk from the mother. She would scream, absolutely scream. And that's the way our Lord wants us to scream for the pure milk of the word of God. That by it we may grow to salvation. For we've tasted the kindness of the Lord. And the Apostle Paul writes to the Romans that it is the kindness of the Lord that brings us to repentance. And then Peter continues, come to him to that living stone, rejected by men, but in God's sight chosen and precious. Unlike living stones, be yourselves built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Um, for it stands in Scripture, quote, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and he who believes in him will not be put to shame, end quote. There's the music for our first break, beloved. We'll continue this And at the second break, we'll have a half hour to your call. Toll-free number 1-877-511-5483. We'll be right back. Active 
consecration to St. Michael the Archangel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A most noble prince of the angelic hierarchies, valorous warrior of Almighty God, and zealous lover of His glory, terror of the rebellious angels, and love and delight of all the just ones, my beloved Archangel St. Michael, desiring to be numbered among thy devoted servants, I today offer and consecrate myself to thee, and place myself, my family, and all I possess under thy most powerful protection. I entreat thee not to look at how little I, as thy servants, have to offer, being only a wretched sinner, but to gaze, rather, with favorable eye at the heartfelt affection with which this offering is made. And remember that if from this day onward I am under thy patronage, thou must, during all my life, assist me and procure for me the pardon of my many grievous offenses and sins, the grace to love with all my heart my God, my dear Savior Jesus, and my sweet mother Mary, and obtain for me all the help necessary to arrive to my crown of glory. Defend me always from my spiritual enemies, particularly in the last moments of my life. Come then, O glorious Prince, and succor me in my last struggle, and with thy powerful weapon, cast far from me into the infernal abysses, that prevaricator and proud angel, that one day thou prostrated in thy celestial battle. Saint Michael, defend us in our daily battle, so that we may not perish in the last judgment. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are now um, at the beginning of uh, St. Peter, our first Pope, our first Jewish Pope. The letter he wrote, he wrote two letters, first and second Peter. Um, he wrote them to the Jews who were dispersed, uh, the first Christians, uh, the first followers of Christ, all Jewish, and they were uh, persecuted by Jews who did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah and dispersed over the Mediterranean. So Peter is writing to them. And we are now in verse 7 of chapter 2 of First Peter. And he writes, To you, therefore, who believe, he, that's Christ, is precious. And Christ is the English word for the To you, therefore, it's not his name, it's his title. To you, therefore, who believe, he is precious. But for those who do not believe, and he quotes, again, the Old Testament, the very stone which the builders rejected, has become the head of the corner, and a stone that will make men stumble, a rock that will make them fall. For they stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you, Peter says, he's writing out the true believers, but you are a chosen race, and that applies to us. Because Christianity is doing to fulfill its Messiah and spread to the four corners of the earth. And so he says, but you are a chosen a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, the 
you may declare the wonderful deeds of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were no people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. St. Peter says, Beloved, I beseech you, as aliens and exiles, that's what we are on the earth, dear ones, from our motherland, which is heaven. Beloved, he says, I beseech you as aliens and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh that wage war against your soul. Maintain good contact among the Gentiles so that in case they speak against you as wrongdoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to praise those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing right, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Live as free men, yet without using your freedom as a pretext for evil, but live as servants of God. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Dear beloved, if we lived like this, the world would be Catholic. I blame us, God's people, that the world is turned from God because we have become of the world and in it. And we are no witnesses. We talk like the world, we dress like the world, we act like the world. Uh, we have a divorce like the world, abortions like the world, uh, we sin like the world. Nobody could tell, it, it's rare to tell Catholics apart today. Very, very rare. Maybe if you go into a Catholic church on Sunday, and there's some, uh, some form of modest dress and holiness. But then most Catholics live during the week as if God doesn't exist. That's not every Catholic. But it's, it, for the most part, it's for the most part, it's, it's um, and I see women out in the street, in my mind, half naked. And so are their children. And, it's, it's, and they're Catholic. They say they're Catholic, so, um, and they feel judged if you say anything to them. They have not been formed. The current generation, three generations, have not been formed or taught the faith. So is it their fault? God alone knows the accountability. But we need to start living our faith, beloved. And Peter gives us the example of Christ's suffering. He says, servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to the kind and gentle, but also to the overbearing. For one is approved, if mindful to God, he endures pain while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it? If when you do wrong and are beaten for it, you take it patiently. But if when you do right and suffer for it, you take it patiently, you have God's approval. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin. No guile was found on his lips. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he trusted to him. He trusted to him and trusted himself to God who judges basically. 
He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and garden of your soul. Dear beloved, if you are Catholic and you have truly um, come to love our Lord and his church, you need to follow his example, and you need to accept suffering and know that nothing touches you that God does not allow. You don't give in to evil. If your boss tells you to have a COVID shot, you don't do that. But um, you just don't give in to sin. But uh, it's not tat for tat. It's not um, if, if, if you're wronged, uh, Jesus was wrong from the day that he appeared in the manger. Um, uh, I've told the story before of a, um, in England, a man that came into a hotel dressed very nicely, suit and tie and, and luggage, and there was a water girl there. Uh, that's what they call luggage of, of the uh, guests and all that. And she's dressed pattern poor. Uh, she was kind of a slave girl. And he came in and she went to take his luggage and her water pail. And he wouldn't let her. And his water, uh, she went to take her water pail and his luggage. And he wouldn't let her. He said, no, 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 I'll do it. And he carried it all. And he treated her with such kindness for the length of time he was in the hotel. And when he left, uh, I don't know if he gave her a gift. I don't know what happened. But he signed out. And he went out the front door of the hotel, and she rushed after him, and she shouted, and turned around, and she said to him, sir, are you him? That's it. Are you Jesus? Are you him? I've never met anyone who treated me with such respect. They don't know me. They wouldn't be treating me with pain and, and love and, and like I was worth something. He must be Jesus. Nobody else has ever treated me like that or would. You see, beloved, we need to be little Christ in the world. That's what we need to do. According to what people have coming to them. Because if God acted toward us according to what we have coming to us, we'd be in him. Because that's what we all deserve. Every one of us deserve hell. And in his grace, he took the price of our sin and the wages of sin is death. He took our death that we might live with him forever. Do we deserve it? No. But there's no way to pay God back for his grace by which he gives us his life and what we don't deserve. He continues in chapter 3, which is a couple of minutes before the break, and I'll continue with the chapter 3. And he says, you will be submissive to your Will they do not obey the word? They be won with good a word by the behavior of their wives. When they see the woman chase, vocation of wife to get her husband to heaven. But let it be, um, let not yours be the outward adorning with braided of hair, braiding of hair, decoration of gold, and wearing of robes. 
but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable jewel of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So once the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves and were submissive to their husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are now her children, if you do right and let nothing terrify you. Likewise, you husbands, Peter says, live considerately with your wives, bestowing honor on the woman as the weaker sex, since you are joint heirs of the grace of life, in order that your prayers may not be hindered. Your vocation, dear men, is to get your wife to heaven through kindness, through charity, through honoring her, through protecting her, by laying down your life for her, Ephesians chapter 5, as Christ did the church. That is the sort of love that God wants a wife to submit to, and that is the sort of love that every wife can submit to. Peter says, finally, all of you have unity of spirit, sympathy, love of the brethren, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not return evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, on the contrary, bless. For to do this you have been called, that you may obtain a blessing. For, and again he quotes the Old Testament, he that would love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. Let him turn away from evil and do right. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those that do evil. End quote. Now Peter says, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is right? But even if you do suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts reverence Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and reverence. And defense, beloved, is not to be defensive. It's the word apologia. It is to have a defense that's an apologetic, that is a reasoned explanation for why we believe what we believe. It's not to be defensive. He says, and keep your conscience clear so that when you are abused, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing right, if that should be God's will, than for doing wrong. Oh, dearest, there is... um, the music for our second break, which means we have an entire half hour coming up um, for us, for your calls, for your emails. And our toll free number is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross dot com, and we'll be right back.
beloved, this is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. The Station of the Cross is listener-funded, and we value your ongoing generosity. In this fast-paced world, it's easy to let your reoccurring donation slip due to something like a new address or a necessary card number change for security purposes. If you suspect that we don't have your up-to-date donor information, you can check with us during regular business hours at 1-877-888-6279, extension 104, or anytime online at thestationofthecross.com. Thank you. Can we be happy without God? Atheists say yes, we Christians say yes, but only to a certain extent. What's our reason? There are some natural human desires that can be satisfied without living for God. The desire for sensory pleasure, success, and loving relationships. There are certain desires, however, that can't be satisfied without God. For example, we don't just desire some love, we desire infinite love, love without limit. This is manifest when we get frustrated with imperfect manifestations of it. The same is true for knowledge, justice, and beauty. Since God alone is infinite in these perfections, only He can satisfy our desires for them. Therefore, to borrow from St. Augustine, without God, our hearts would be forever restless. And my friends, a restless heart is an unhappy heart. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, I am live, and we are here, and we're thrilled to be with you audio again today, but it looks like we might be back on video tomorrow, which would be really wonderful. Uh, we'll see then. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, we are... Uh, now, this is our whole so I was a little distracted here. Um, this is our half hour together. You're welcome to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. Toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have an email from somebody who writes in anonymously and says, what is an AMBRY, A-M-B-R-Y, and what is it used for? He says, or she says, I heard a fellow Catholic use that term a few days ago, and I'm really not familiar with it. Thanks. Um, Father Edward McNamara at EWTN uh, says this about an ambry. There's a growing practice in the church of visibly displaying the holy oils. These are usually stored, locked in a niche on the sanctuary wall called an ambry or an ombry. Apart from the presbytery, the ambry is often located near the baptismal font, and this is most appropriate in churches with a distinct baptistry. The ambry may also sometimes be placed 
women's democracy. And also, it, it appears that in older churches, um, there was uh, what looked like a second tabernacle next pre-Vatican II, a second tabernacle next to the main tabernacle, and um, but it contained the three oils for anointing. And so, um, let me just see. Um, here it is. Um, it's, it's, it's the uh, in Latin, it's armarium, a type of small. I'm reading this from uh, the definition from Alicia. Uh, small closet or cupboard. It holds three holy oils that are used for various sacraments. These oils are blessed once a year by the bishop at what is called the Christian Mass during Holy Week and then distributed to all the parishes in his diocese. So um, I'm glad you asked that question because I personally was not familiar with the term uh, as well. So God bless you and thanks so much. Um, we have an email from somebody uh, else who writes anonymously and says, Hi, Mother Miriam. There's a long-standing practice in our diocese where the members of the charismatic movement anoint one another, and especially the sick, with something called St. Joseph's oil. Some others call this the oil of gladness. Does the church permit this practice of lay people anointing the sick with oil? I don't believe so. I think that is the, the role of a priest. Um, let me just, I'm looking at Catholic Answers, who says, when it comes to prayer with anointing, which is not approved not an approved sacramental, the laity are prohibited from doing it altogether. They may perform only those sacramentals that the church has approved for them to perform. Um, the non-ordained, and this is uh, from the instruction of, of practical provisions in the church, uh, the non-ordained faithfully particularly assist the sick by being with them in difficult movements, encouraging them to receive the sacraments of penance and the anointing of the sick by helping them to have the disposition to make a good individual confession as well as to prepare them to receive the anointing of the sick. In using sacramentals, the non-ordained faithful should ensure that these are in no way regarded as sacraments, whose administration is proper and exclusive to the bishop and to the priest. Since they are not priests, in no instance may the non-ordained perform anointings, either with the oil of the sick or any other oil. So I think the answer is, um, uh, is that what's going on in your church which has picked up some um, promises that are not approved by the church. So it, it seems it should not be going on. Um, we have an email from John who says, our priest uses large quantities of incense at mass, creating difficulties even in being able to see with so many clouds. People with respiratory issues who attend the masses are also struggling. When we speak to the priest who raised this concern, he is dismissive and goes on about history and liturgy. I would never want to ignore or avoid church traditions, but I cannot determine whether this is being taken overboard or perhaps I'm just being too scrupulous. Thoughts. Well, 
I don't know that it's being taken overboard, John. Um, I do know um, a very wonderful, faithful Catholic couple who uh, who goes to the traditional mass where incense is always used. And the wife of the couple is very allergic. Even if she sits in the back row, even in the cry room, she can't handle the incense. And so she doesn't go to church. And the arrangements for the priest to come out to the car where she sits and give her the sacrament, give her the Eucharist. That's the only um, occasion I've heard of that, but it seems that that would be possible. And so um, there, there are other churches, even traditional churches, that may not use incense. So I would explore that. Uh, maybe she could wear a mask. Um, or again, um, maybe arrange with the priest to go outside and, and give her the Eucharist outside of the uh, church area where the incense is. Um, I know that's very difficult, but um, I don't think a priest is taking tradition overboard when he uses incense. There are people very, very strongly allergic to it, but I don't think that should stop the incense, which is a symbol of the prayers of the saints ascending to God. So I would speak to the priest and ask him um, what he might be able to, can he think of anything that could help, such as this one example that I'm mentioning where a wife stays in the car during Mass and then the priest comes out and gives her um, uh, the, the uh, Eucharist. Um, we have an email from someone who writes it anonymously and says, we have a priest at our church who is a huge fan of Medjugorje. While he points out that it is not yet recognized by the church, his, quote, the end is near, end quote, approach is not helpful to us who hope to make a difference. Any suggestions of what I can do? Well, you're right to point out that Medjugorje is not approved. Uh, whether it will be in the future or not, many do not think so. But, um, and no, uh, it's supposedly still going on, which we don't know is going on at all. But um, traditionally, the church does not approve or cannot approve an apparition so-called while it's still uh, going on. So they'd have to wait till it stops or at least is said to stop. I cannot validate anything with Medjugorje, and I have been there. The church has not validated. The bishop there does not validate it. The pope does not validate it. Um, but the fact is, for anyone saying the end is near, um, it should be helpful to those of us who want to make a difference, because forget Medjugorje. Fatima, Our Lady of La Salette, Our Lady of Good Success, Our Lady of Akita, all these approved apparitions do say the end is near. So forget Medjugorje. All the approved apparitions of the church do say the end is near. And everything that's happening on earth now is the fruit of everything they have legitimately prophesied. And so um, we don't know if the end means two months or another 2,000 years. Because the end time, the last days began with our Lord on the cross. So if we know that the end is near, we don't know how near it is, but everything that's going on in the world, in the church, 
Uh, and we're living in a time of apostasy. And even read Peter, First Peter, uh, we are nearing the end times. How close we are, we don't know. But it should be very helpful to those of us who hope to make a difference. It's not to scare us. It's to say we are soldiers of Christ. We have the message of salvation. And we're in the church that the entire world and every single soul needs. We need to get to work. So, dear Anonymous, uh, I would not... Um, uh, encourage anyone to not say the end is near. I would encourage everyone to say, we don't know how much time we have left, but we need to get busy living our faith, growing in holiness, getting our children out of the schools, teaching the faith at home, uh, bringing the gospel to our neighbor, living as Catholics who are in the world and not of it. Um, okay, let me just see. We have an email from, again, someone who writes it anonymously and says, I was talking with a Protestant friend who scoffed at the little literal interpretation of this is my body by saying, Jesus also said, I am the door. How should I answer this explanation? Well, there are seven I am's in scripture. I am the door when he, and it's the door of the sheep. No one can but he was other things. And every time he made a statement like that, he used um, God's name, the holy unspoken name for God, I am. And the, that's why the Jews took up stones to stone him, not simply because he called himself a door, but because he said, I am. And he used God's covenant name, the name that God gave Moses as the true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the burning bush. And so, uh, I am the resurrection and life, I am the door, I am the way, the truth, and life. Uh, I, I can't think of them all right now, but seven of them were each time he claims to be the God of Abraham. And the only exception is when he says, this is my body. Um, it's very different than I am the door. He's holding up bread. Uh, and he's saying, this is my body. Um, and it's John chapter 6. And he says, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And whenever he said, I am the door, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, I'm the resurrection, and the life, I am the light of the world, all those I ams, no one walked away from him. No one was scared. Only in John chapter 6 were they scandalized, and all his disciples walked away. And he looked at Peter, and he said, Peter, you're going to walk away too? And Peter says, well, Lord, we don't know what you're saying. It's kind of, you're telling us to eat your body, and that's against the law of Leviticus, and drink your blood, that's against the law. We don't know what you're saying, but you have the words of eternal life. To whom would we go? So they say, but they didn't fully understand that. And uh, my Protestant pastor uh, and most people will say that Jesus that he's our food, our spiritual food. They don't agree he's talking literally. And my previous pastor said if he was talking literally, that would be cannibalism. And so I say, why would Jesus symbolize cannibalism? Why would he want us to symbolize eating his body and drinking his blood? You don't symbolize what is evil, what is cannibalism. No. 
um, this is my body when he was at the Last Supper, which was the first mass. He took bread, matzah, unleavened bread at that Last Supper, which in the Jewish Passover is called the blood of bread of affliction. And he put bread in his hands and he said this over matzah, over unleavened bread. He said, this is my body. And at those words, bread became God and wine became God. Just as he said, let there be light, and there was. He creates by his word. St. Augustine said, our Lord held himself in his own hands. I would want to encourage you to read a book called, This is My Body. I marked show small book, This is My Body by Mark Shea, totally scriptural, and it might help. Read it and give it to a positive home. We'll be right back after the break, beloved. We'll still have 10 minutes for your calls, your emails, anything that's on your heart. Toll-free number 1-877-511-5483. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for October 24th. Today we celebrate St. Anthony Mary Claret. Born in Spain in 1807, young Antonio learned his father's trade of weaving, as well as printing and Latin, all before studying for the priesthood. Ordained at 28, he went on to become one of Spain's most popular preachers. At 42, Anthony founded a religious institute of missionaries, known popularly as the Claritians. Appointed to head the much-neglected Archdiocese of Santiago, Cuba, he began its reform by almost ceaselessly preaching and hearing confessions. He incurred widespread opposition for preaching against unmarried persons living together and for giving instructions to black slaves. When a hired assassin slashed his face and wrist, Anthony responded by getting the would-be assassin's death sentence commuted to a prison term. All his life, Anthony was interested in the Catholic press. Residing with the Spanish colony in France, he founded the Religious Publishing House, a major publishing venture, and wrote or published 200 books and pamphlets. A staunch defender of the doctrine of papal infallibility at Vatican I, he died in 1870 and was canonized in 1950. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. What you're offering and giving to me, you deserve to get back because you're offering more than I can give. I learned so much through the station on the cross. I listen to the radio station daily and I absolutely love it. I was attending the chapel and places like that and through your programs I was able to find out how other Protestants had come back into the Catholic Church. God bless the station of the cross. Donate today at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam. Uh, Mother Miriam, <laughs> we are live and we have 10 minutes and our lines are open and you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Call free one 511 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. 
We have an email from David who writes, Hello, Mother. I hope this finds you well. I was wondering if you can tell me anything about the organization New Ways Ministries. They had been previously denounced by the Vatican, but I saw in recent headlines, news headlines, that Pope Francis was meeting with them for one reason or another. Is this a sign of bad things to come? Thank you for all the clarity and truth that you bring. Thank you, David. It's not just a sign of bad things to come. It's a sign of the bad things that have come under this pontificate. In an article um, by, um, um, well, I, I won't, um, it, it's, it's the Catholic National Catholic Re- Reporter, which is um, uh, a, a newsletter that does not, is not faithful to the front. Um, it says in two letters to New Wave Ministries, Pope Francis commended the organization for its outreach to the LGBTQ community and referred to one of its co-founders, Loretto's sister Janine Gramic, as a valiant woman who had suffered much for her ministry. Um, it's written in Spanish. Uh, on official Vatican stationery, uh, Pope Francis's letter mentioned that the Pope is aware that New Ways Ministries' histor- history has not been an easy one, but um, that loving one's neighbor is still the second commandment, tied necessarily to the first commandment, to love God. Um, and of course, uh, he's being praised by Father James Martin, um, and all of that. Um, let me just see if there's uh, here's here's one more more recent. Um, Pope Francis received Sister Janine Gramic at the Vatican. Um, in a moment, once I don't, this is just uh, seven days ago. In a moment, once unimaginable, Sister Jean Gramic um, met with Pope Francis today at the Vatican. Um, and let's just see, she's a co-founder of New Ways Ministries um, and brought, greeting, brought greetings to him from LGBTQ Catholics, um, plus Catholics in the U.S. Church, for his openness to blessing same-sex unions, as well as for his opposition to the criminalization of LGBTQ plus people in civil society. Um, um, Previous popes and church leaders have opposed Sister on New Ways Ministries. Um, and so, yes, um, and so David, um, New Ways Ministries, New Ways Ministries is heretical. It's an outreach to every distortion uh, that Romans chapter one speaks about, LGBTQ plus people uh, that will not be in heaven. That's what St. Paul says. Neither homosexuals or murderers or slanderers will see the kingdom. Here is a ministry to reach out to people to help them on the road to hell. And and now our Pope Francis is going against previous popes in condemning them and saying, no, love is important. Of course, love is important, and the Lord, who is love himself, died on the cross to save us from sin, and they are okaying sin. If there's no love in that, when you okay sin, there's absolutely no love in that. Um, we have a call from Joel. Um, uh, are you there, dear one? 
I am. Hi, Mother. Hi. How are you? Hi. Fine. Where, where are you from, Joelle? Um, Webster, New York, near Rochester. Oh, nice. I love New York. I'm from there. Good. Okay, yeah. what's your question, honey? Go ahead. Um, it's just a comment. I just um, recently finished the four-week course on the mystery of the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to say how amazing it was. And um, between our priest and our deacon, it was, I learned so much. And it was, it was amazing. I was glad that you were in it, actually. Um, I was in it? I, oh, you it, were? Was it from Augustine Institute? Yes, it was. Called The Presence. Yes. Very yeah. good. Okay, good. Yeah. I was going to ask um, you what course it was to see if I knew it or not. Yes. Yeah, we actually took it to five weeks. We went again Sunday because we had so much Excellent. discussion after the videos. That's wonderful. Um, Good. But um, I just wanted to comment how, how beautiful it was and how much I already knew but also learned. And um, our priest made some um, some points on, uh, you know, how our Blessed Mother after she was still on the earth for like 15 years after Jesus died and how, you know, she carried him with her and how after we receive our Lord in communion and that, you know, he's with us for like 15 minutes after. Um, and it was, right. it was just, it was, it was just beautiful. Everything about it was beautiful. And um, I just wanted to say that, you know, I, I, I think that it, should be done in every parish. I would um, agree. Yeah. I would agree. So, in fact, I love your call on this, Joelle. I will uh, tell everybody that you will only do well. Uh, go to the St. Augustine Institute, and it's called The Presence, and it's a series of DVDs, um, and it's all on the Eucharist, and it's very beautiful and orthodox and nothing to be concerned about. It was it was amazing. I highly recommend it. Okay, very good, Joelle. I love this call. All right, God bless you, dear one. Bless you as well, Mother. Thank you, thank you. Okay, let me see now what is next. Um, let me see who we have here. Um, We have an email from Michael, and he says, why do we celebrate the visit of the Magi on a different day, on a day different from Christmas? Also, someone told me that there were more than three wise men who visited. Could this be true? I imagine it could be. Um, I imagine it could be. I think three names are given in Scripture, but I don't know that it's impossible that more were with them. The reason we celebrate the visit of the Magi on a day different from Christmas is that it's, as far as I understand church teaching, the Magi came a couple of years later um, when they were already in their home. They were no longer in the manger, in the stable. Um, The shepherds went to see them in the stable. But the Magi, uh, who traveled from foreign lands on, on camel, came and Jesus was already close to two years old. Now, don't quote me exactly, but I'd have to look it up. But I believe um, that's the case. They were not there when Jesus was born. And I know most um, nativity scenes show the Magi at the manger bringing the child Jesus gifts and adoring him. I don't believe that's accurate. I'll look it up further, but I don't believe it's accurate. Um, 
And even when we put our, our manger scenes out, we don't put the child in the manger. We put the scene out. We don't put the child in the manger till Christmas Eve because he's not there before Christmas Eve. And the shepherds could be there. But the magi are um, halfway across the room, and they slowly reach um, the crest um, in, in, in time. But uh, the fact is, they, they, uh, they're not at the crest. They're at the home where Mary and Joseph was living with Jesus, and he was already a bit of a grown child. So uh, go ahead and look that up. I don't have time right now. It's the end of the program, but you can validate that. And I will as well, and, and call in tomorrow if there's anything I've said that's incorrect. Um, God bless all of you. And live um, as if we have only today, because we don't, the scriptures say we don't know that we have tomorrow. Um, we need to prepare for death every day of our life and do everything we can to spread the gospel to every soul. God bless you.